Low snap. The kick is good. And the Giants are going back to the Super Bowl. What is up, Football Nation? It is the Football Nation Presents the Sportscasters podcast. Episode 19 coming to you on September 5th, 2012, the day that the National Football League will kick off its season in New York, New York, Giants and Cowboys. You heard the clip off the top, the Cowboys, or excuse me, the Giants obviously ended up cashing that NFC Championship victory in with the Super Bowl win the following couple of weeks later, and we're really excited to finally do this podcast with football uh, during Real the games. season, yeah. yeah, with football. My name is Steve Bennett. I'm the host, and that's my co-host Don Russ. What's up, Don? Hey, let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. You know, uh, we got a great guest today. Our guest is Kenny Albert, who is the host of the number two broadcasting team at Fox. Uh, he broadcasts with Moose Johnson and Tony Saragusa, who Saragusa they debuted in the preseason is going to have some massive monstrosity of a screen down on field level and drawn and it's debatable whether you're a <laughs> fan Saragusa of fan, Saragusa yeah. or not but it's always oddly used Kenny Albert is great he is underrated for all the great hockey he does yeah he can do baseball and he does and he's been for now about seven years the number two guy behind Buck at uh, calling football for Fox and he's going to New Orleans for the New Orleans Saints and Washington Redskins game, the debut of RG3. So we will definitely chat with him about that and what he what he does to prepare for a season. And we're looking forward to doing that in a second here. Uh, in the meantime, I want to remind you that our last episode, uh, episode 18 of the show, featured an interview with Michael Holly. Uh, we talked to him about football and a little bit about music. We debated Pearl Jam and Nirvana right, a little yeah. bit. And I think Pearl Jam took another step distancing themselves from Nirvana and greatness when they played a ver- uh, song with Jay-Z at the Made in America Festival in Philadelphia <laughs> the other night. 99 Problems. 99 yeah. Problems. So Nirvana just can't have moments like that anymore. And I, th- I think that hurts them in the long run. Yeah, it probably does, yes. But uh, – Let's get this thing started because the, the league is kicking off any second. So let's do three things. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business. There is nothing we can start this week off in three things other than just kickoff. Finally, it's here. What do we say? This is episode 19 or something crazy like that already? That's 19 episodes we've done without a single meaningful game. And uh, finally, we get to stop talking about holdouts and off-the-field issues and quarterback controversies (laughs) for now, maybe. But uh, we get to real games. Uh, I started looking at 
Vegas and their over-unders was always fun. Uh, for total wins, that is. And some glaring ones to me. I think New England easily gets 12 wins. Uh, just if their schedule is anything like Buffalo's. Their over-under is 12? Is 12. That means they need to get 13 They need to get 13, to yeah. I, I still think they do it. Uh, they have a schedule similar to the Bills being in the same division. Obviously, their two kind of random games are against number one divisional winners, whereas the Bills would be against last place or second last place teams. Right. But I think they're a team primed for a big season. Uh, the Jets at eight and a half. I like the under there. They just look like a disaster. Unless they're playing possum this preseason, uh, they look like they're in a bad way. I, teams I might like the over on. St. Louis, their number is six. I might like them to be, win more than six games. I think they're, Sam Bradford's better than his NFL career has been. Uh, the Bills at seven. I like them a little better than that. But, yeah, these are always fun to look at. With the start of the season, what two or three teams in each conference do you look at as the teams that you can seriously, without seeing a game, without knowing that this team may emerge this year or this team may fall, what teams do you, based on what you've seen this summer, do you feel can call themselves Super Bowl contenders at this point? I think you definitely got to go with the Green Bay, New England, uh, beyond that, I mean, there's other teams in the hunt, like the Saints will still be there. Houston, if Schaub can stay healthy, probably would have been the best team in the East last year. But as far as, like, no-brainers, as long as their quarterbacks don't get hurt, I think it's Green Bay and New England. What do you think about the NFC North in general this year with the Lions being a playoff team and Chicago really seemingly Should improving be better, themselves, right. finally getting some weapons around Cutler? That could be a really, really tricky division for those three teams to navigate through because I think that's going to be a case where you're going to see those teams beat each other up. And maybe a New England or a Lions or Chicago team won't have a lot left when it comes to playoff time. And maybe because they beat each other up, they won't get to host as many playoff games as they might like. Yeah, that might make Green Bay's numbers at 12 right now. And that might make that a little bit tough because their division is so good. Part of the reason I like the New England at, even at such a high number at 12 is I figure Miami's no good. They're going to beat Miami twice. They'll probably beat the Jets twice. They'll probably beat the Bills twice. Hopefully, the Bills can split one of those because I am a Bills fan. But so that's six wins within the division. Then you just got to go find seven wins in your remaining ten games. So I think they're a team that could easily do that. Uh, the Eagles' number of ten seems a little bit high to me because they're also in a division that can be tough. So ten is a lot. Well. Kickoff weekend should be a good one. Obviously, Cowboys-Giants uh, is an 8.30 game on Wednesday tonight if the podcast got up in time for you to hear <laughs> it before. If not, it was yesterday, and it was a great game, hopefully. Uh, the big games on Sunday, Andrew Luck debuts at Chicago. RG3. RG3 debuts in New Orleans. Um, Patriots are playing the Titans. I think some people are looking to see where the Titans are at. Peyton uh, makes Bill, his uh, return to Peyton real action. returns at 8. That's the uh, night game on NBC. That's a good game, too. Yeah, Fox has a national doubleheader game of the 49ers and the Packers. Maybe the game of the week. Maybe could be the game of the week. And then two games on Monday, Bengals, Ravens, and Chargers and Raiders. So the league will kick off, and we're very excited 
Yeah, the offseason is just so long in football. Yeah. So. Can't wait. All right, Don, number two. Yeah, number two this week, we're just going to go around the league a little bit with some little uh, bits of news. Maybe none bigger than uh, Maurice Jones-Drew ending his pointless holdout that did nothing other than let him maybe sleep in on practice days a little bit. Right. Uh, I don't know if that was the plan all along, just to miss games. He's always been kind of a uh, stand-up, team effort, fan friendly guy so you wouldn't think that would be mjd's motives but i mean mike wallace basically did the same thing but he balked a little bit sooner it came back whole lots don't work they just don't work for the players uh can be tough especially when teams will at times just absorb the the penalty they'll just cross it off now forget it we're not going to charge you for missed time or anything like that but I mean, it hurts their performance on the field, but as far as longevity, maybe MJD thinks I'm playing the toughest position in maybe all of sports. I've got a short shelf life. Why get banged up in meaningless practices, meaningless games? I, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to become a trend. It'll go a long way towards becoming a trend maybe if he's manages to be successful. If he has a year like Chris Johnson had last year. That's going to be the key. Can he be successful with this? Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know. It did nothing but scare a few fantasy owners, uh, myself included. Right. I probably passed on him in a league or two and worried about this when I shouldn't have. But it's over, and uh, I'm sure Jags fans are pumped about that. Kenny Britt was finally handed down his suspension, just a one-game suspension. So if you are a fantasy owner out there, you're only going to miss the one game for now until he does something stupid or gets hurt. But right now, Kenny Britt will be off the field for one game. Although they could sure use him against the Patriots. Uh, Ryan Clark is not going to play this week um, for the Steelers in Denver. Yeah. Something with uh, a disease that he has and the altitude there just doesn't mix for him. Uh, So he's going to sit out. The Browns quarterback, uh, or excuse me, the Browns cornerback, Joe Hayden, has appealed his, his suspension. He's waiting to find out if he's going to have to sit out the first four games. Dolphins released David Garrard. I think a lot of people thought that he could at least win that backup job. And I, I think he would have won the starting job if he didn't have the knee injury that he had. I yeah. think that that was the most unfortunate from a player's perspective. Over Tannehill, I think that was the most. Inf- he was just so. If you were, if you you don't have the benefit of watching Hard Knocks, I know. Right, right. So, but if you were watching that show and seeing how that was playing out, they loved Gerard. They yeah. loved his leadership. I know Tannehill was a little behind too, and Tannehill came in behind, and I think he just seemed like he was running away with it, and then phew, knee injury, and the air came out, and now he's released. Yeah. So that definitely hurts. Um, Bryant McKinney restructured his deal with the Ravens. Uh, so he's going to be there. Yeah, there was some thought he might get cut outright, I think. but Adrian Peterson, we won't know his status for week until one Sunday until morning. Sunday. Um, the Panthers coach is optimistic that Jonathan Stewart will play in week one. And along those same lines, Jonathan Witten is doubtful for week one. Although I did hear earlier that they are going to take another look with an MRI and see wh- exactly where his spleen is That's in terms of... That's scary. I know when his injury first happened, they didn't even want him at the practices because of fear of like a ball or somebody bumping into him and r- ripping his spleen. So it can be very, very serious. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. So why not wait? And like, 
we mentioned this a little bit on our other, other podcast. It's a Wednesday game, so if, if you just sit this one out... You get all that extra time. Yeah, you get the 10 days or whatever it is. You go from your first game being on the 5th to the 15th. That's almost half the month. Yep. So uh, hopefully he does what's right for his longevity. And that's it really for the news right now. Uh, Like we said, I can't wait to get the real season started, and I'm sure we'll have tons to talk about every week. My last thing this week in our usual three things is the ref lockout. Referee lockout is still ongoing. Disappointing. So really gonna, disappointing. Going to play week one with replacement refs. Referees are criticized every year, regardless, in football. Uh, it seems like they can't get the rules right. Even with the benefit of instant replay, sometimes things are messed up. That said, these replacement refs, who I have some sympathy for, are going to be under an absolute microscope. And if refereeing was critiqued in the past, it's only going to be worse this year. And I hope... I can only hope that a game isn't. Peter King had a really interesting example in his Monday morning quarterback this week. Said that in a game he wouldn't mention, a player was flagged for pass interference. The head coach was on his sideline, went ballistic, and the official picked up the flag and decided not to call the penalty. When has that ever happened? Never. I mean, that's a really bad, bad precedent. And could you imagine if that happens? In the regular season, yeah, someone picks a flag up like that, what the fallout from that would be, I don't know. I think it's really scary, and I think I feel bad for these guys because I don't know how they win. You know, no matter right. what, people are going to be looking I think for the, the old guys, even though they forget how much they hated those guys, too. The best case scenario would be they make it through the weekend without being a story. Uh, that's it. I mean, and that's it. That's asking a lot. We're going to sure play is. a lot yep. of games in five days here. Yep. I mean, every NFL team, there's no buys. All these teams are playing, and that's a lot of games. And also, there's more games this week that the whole nation is going to have their eyeballs on, right? The whole nation watches Wednesday night football this week. Right. The whole nation watches the most of the Sunday nation watches football. Green Bay and – right. Um, San Francisco. Francisco. Everyone watches Peyton on Sunday Night Football. Two Monday Night Football games. All those eyeballs are going to be on. That's a huge, huge microscope. And I don't know. God bless these guys. They're going to have a really, really difficult next couple of days. Yeah, I agree. And uh, lastly, The Onion is reporting that Brady Quinn accidentally received Frog and Toad Our Friends instead of a playbook. And that explains oh his poor off-season play. The Onion's freaking great. That is really terrible for him, you know? All right, so your last thing this week. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, part of me wishes that it was just all blazes going forward, not looking back at all. But I, I did want to mention one one more thing about the preseason before. Okay. The preseason isn't worth talking about again. And I mentioned a second ago Peter King and his – uh, Monday, Monday morning quarterback column is one of the best on the internet, and we really, we really enjoy it. But he had some really interesting stats uh, about the last preseason game, the fourth one, which I think is the worst joke in sports. 639 active and eligible NFL players did not play in the 16 games on the final preseason week. Wow. It includes 17 of the 32 starting quarterbacks. 
Ten teams thought so little of the final dress rehearsal for the season that they didn't even play their first or second string quarterback a single snap. Wow. Uh, the Saints played Sean Canfield and then cut him the next day. <laughs> yeah, that's the amazing thing this year. I don't know if you have more, but uh, this year, the, and I'm not sure how if this is always the case, but every single... Every single team had the fourth their last game, I think, on the same day. Or at least there was a ton of them on that last Thursday. And they had to cut everybody like by the very next day uh, at whatever time it was. So a good chunk of those de- decisions had to already have been made. You know what I mean? Like In their mind, someone would have had to do something absolutely amazing and what amounts to a meaningless game otherwise to probably change a coach's opinion at that point in the game. It's just... They really got to cut down preseason games, and I mean, and people are paying full dollars, full yeah. price for this. Um, if you bought a seat for Tampa Bay Washington Wednesday night, sixty players sat out in all. Wow, including Robert Griffin the third in Philadelphia, sixty-six players on the Jets and Eagles didn't play. That's embarrassing. Sixty-two Bears and Browns didn't get their hands or uniforms dirty in Cleveland, um, and like we said, full prices for that. I'm um, sure for some of those players playing in that game that that's not nothing. It might be their last shot to ever play on an NFL field, and for them, it's fantastic, I guess. Dominique but, Davis played all 60 minutes at quarterback. You want to even try to guess what team he played for? The Lions. Falcons. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. And he played all 60 minutes of said game. So it's turned into a joke. Um, and Peter King did a great job of illustrating it in his Monday Morning Quarterback column. He's got a really good idea about each team playing three preseason games and then having these regional games the fourth week that are more like scrimmages where each team brings 50 of their 90 players and they charge 10 bucks a ticket. And he thinks it could be really successful. For example, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia would play at Penn State. 10 bucks each, and those 50 last guys get to play for the tape, like which is basically happening in real NFL stadiums. Right. But it's kind of a treat for the city it's in, and it's inexpensive. And the season ticket holders, who, who you know do so much for this league, don't have to pay full price for that game. Yeah, I'll believe that. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see that. No, but. probably not. It's probably pie in the sky dreaming by Peter King. But it's a nice idea. I always think, you know, I'm always thinking about Buffalo and the people here. And every time the schedule comes out, I look to see if the Bills are home on the third or fourth preseason game. And I hope that they're here on the third, third and right. hope that they're not on the fourth. Because the third is the one that is the closest to being real, and the fourth is the one that is furthest away from being real. Yep, well, we don't have to worry about that anymore this year. Preseason's over. Let's get on to the real thing. Time to kick off. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with our good buddy, Kenny Albert. Our guest today is from New York City, New York, and is a graduate of New York University. He has called hockey games for the Baltimore Skipjacks, Washington Capitals, the NHL on ESPN2, NHL Radio, and the NHL on Fox, the New York Rangers, and the last three Olympic winter games. Since 1994, he has called NFL football games for Fox, and since 2007, he has worked on the network's second broadcast team with Daryl Johnson and Tony Saragusa. 
This week, Kenny and his team will be in New Orleans for the Saints and Redskins. A warm sportscaster's welcome to the awesome Kenny Albert. What's up, Kenny? Hey, Steve. How are you? Very good. Uh, really excited to talk to you today. Um, and really excited for the start of the football season. With everything you do in terms of hockey and baseball for Fox and basketball occasionally, where does football kind of fit in in terms of getting your stomach going and being excited? And Where, where does it stand for you in, in, in terms of getting pumped? Well, I think... You know, first of all, I love all sports, and I've been very fortunate to work in all four, you know, in various degrees. But uh, this is the most fun time of the year with football starting up, and uh, hopefully hockey's right around the corner, depending on the uh, negotiations. But always such a fun time of the year with football. I work three preseason games, one for Fox and two for the Washington Redskins, including one uh, right up in your neck of the woods in Buffalo. So, um, you know, football, it's the most work, the most preparation, but it, it's so much fun. You know, I enjoy the preparation almost as much as the actual games. So, uh, you know, like I said, it, it gets hectic now. It's it's the busiest time of the year, but it's it's definitely the most fun. How important was that preseason game that you guys did in Atlanta for the team and for not just you and Tony and um, Daryl, but for everyone who works on the crew that you guys work with to get the games going on Sunday? Well, Steve, it gets you into the flow. It gets you into the rhythm. Uh, could you start the regular season without doing a preseason game? Sure. But, uh, you know, just like the players, it, it gives you reps uh, leading up to the regular season. And, and, you know, I was fortunate, like I said, to do two games for the Redskins as well. So I've already done three. And, and I think just for the mechanics and, and the rules and, uh, you know, different situations that might pop up during the game, uh, it just gets you into the flow. And, and working the game in Atlanta, the Bengals and Falcons, with our entire crew, with Daryl and Tony and, you know, the producer and director and all the guys who travel with us throughout the season, it just kind of got everyone on the same page. We spent a couple of days together meeting with the teams and going through our production meetings, so uh, uh, it is pretty important. What do you do to prepare for Sunday? Uh, what, what things do you have to do as the play-by-play man to get ready for Redskins and Saints? Well, a typical week... Um, you know, for a Sunday game uh, on Monday, you know, once the season gets going, you'll fly home, you know, normally on Sunday night from, from your game. And uh, it really starts on Monday morning. It's a full-week process that goes into preparing for a football broadcast. And I've never actually added up the number of hours, but uh, it's, uh, you know, pretty much all of your non-sleeping time and, and non-family and, and non-meals uh, time is consumed with getting ready for that game, and, and this week it happens to be the Redskins and the Saints. So on, on Monday you start by watching tapes of the team's previous games. You know, in this case, it's the preseason games. Um, you know, I try to read everything that's out there from both cities. You, you get packets in the mail from both teams and via email with statistics and other information. Um, so it's really a combination of all of those things. You prepare your own charts, and everybody has their own system. So Monday through Thursday, you're, you're kind of doing that on your own, the reading, the tapes, um, you know, the charts. And, and, you know, you do talk to your producer and uh, the guys you work with. And we have a conference call coming up uh, a little later this afternoon just to uh, uh, chat about some things before we head into New Orleans. Uh, we'll all travel in Thursday night. And then Friday, we'll go to Saints practice in the morning. We'll watch practice. We'll sit down with five or six players and coaches 
Uh, we'll have our own uh, production dinner on Friday night. Saturday, we'll do the same thing with the Redskins when they get in. Uh, we'll sit down and chat with four or five players, coaches, and then we have our production meeting Saturday night. So it's a, it's a week-long process for the next uh, 18 weeks now. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's something we all enjoy. It's my 19th year, which is hard to believe, uh, working uh, NFL on Fox games. So uh, I've sat through a lot of these player and coach meetings and production meetings, but it's all worth it come Sunday. You know, being the broadcaster on the number two team, do you ever, and Joe Buck has had some throw problems in the past, seems like he's come out the other end of that by now, and I've noticed a lot less criticism on Twitter in the last bunch of weeks, but do you ever think of, like, you know, Joe Buck is one sore throat away from me having to get ready for that top game and be ready to work with Aikman and, and that kind of a thing, or... You just um, you know, I, you never really think like that. Um, you know, I've had a chance to work with Troy uh, on a bunch of games in the past uh, when when things got shuffled around during the baseball playoffs, and uh, that was certainly a lot of fun. You know, it's always thrilling to work on on the number one team. But uh, you know, Joe does a great job, and and he's been at Fox right from the start. So you, you don't really root for other people to have health issues. But uh, uh, you know, being a part of the team with Daryl and Tony has been terrific. This is our sixth year together, and. We've had the opportunity to do playoff games the last five years, you know, culminating last January with the Saints 49ers uh, divisional game, which is one of the you know most exciting sporting events that I've ever had the opportunity to call. So uh, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and, and hopefully we'll have a lot more big games this year. You know, last year, even before that playoff game, uh, we had a, a number of, of big games in December, the Giants-Jets game December 24th, uh, the Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown catch. We did the... Uh, Denver-Chicago game, the big comeback by Tebow and the Broncos in the fourth quarter in overtime, and a couple of others as well. So uh, we were on a pretty good run towards the end of the season last year. Now, you mentioned uh, Tony and, and, and the years that you've been with him and Daryl, and Tony's work on the field seems to always be evolving. And this year during the preseason game, I noticed you guys debuted a, a huge new area that he'll be working in front of. Uh, how does it present a challenge for you as a play-by-play guy to have one of your color guys down on the field and not next to you in the booth? Now, obviously, six years in, you guys are pros at it, but what kind of challenge was it maybe initially, or does it continue to be? Well, a couple of things. He's actually had that set up for a few years now. The the, the uh, only change this year is there's, there's actually a camera on top of the uh, video monitor uh, bank. So he's had those monitors for a couple of years, so that really hasn't changed, but the camera is, is the new addition, the goose cam. Uh, you're right, Steve, his role is evolving. It evolves every year. Um, he's really the only one, when you look at all the NFL broadcasts on on uh, four networks, actually five networks, Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN, the NFL Network, we're, we're the only crew that has, you know, as, as we refer to Tony, a sideline analyst. He's not just a sideline reporter who you throw it downstairs to for injury updates. Um, he's actually an analyst down on the field, and his mic's open all the time. And I give Darrell a lot of credit because um, normally when there's only one analyst up in the booth, I can call the play. He can you know, go as long as he wants with his thought, and then it comes back to me prior to the next play. But uh, Darrell shortens, shortens things up to get Tony in, and uh, you know they don't, they don't talk over each other very often, which is a credit to both guys. And it's really a unique situation, and we've had a lot of fun with it. Where does something like Robert Griffin III making his NFL debut, 
Where does that fit in for someone who has as much experience as you do in the sports world? Is this something that you're really excited about? I mean, I don't want to say something corny like, oh, it's going to be something you'll never forget. You were at RG3's first game or something. And I know you, you've been able to see him in the Redskins games that you that you uh, worked this, uh, this summer. But does being able to do something like that still seem kind of special, you know, being able to be at a game like that or being able to say, you know, I was at the first game the Saints played after the bounty and the first one without Coach Payton or, you know. We're- yeah, I mean, it all factors in, Steve. Um, you know, with RG3, and, and you're right, I had a chance to do his first preseason game up in Buffalo and now uh, his first regular season game, you know, especially if he has a, a terrific career and you look back and, and you could say I was there for the start. Um, there, there are a number of storylines, you know, and you referred to a couple of them, in this game, the RG3 debut, uh, the Saints playing their first game, you know, first regular season game after the, the bounty suspensions, uh, Drew Brees coming off one of the all-time great seasons in NFL history. So uh, there, there will certainly, uh, we will not lack for storylines in, in this one. Are you worried at all about the replacement officials? You got to call three games. Um, they're going to be there this week, whether anyone likes it or not. Do you think that that's going to be a big Big story, and, and from your perspective in the booth and the three games that you've done, is it as bad as people think, or do you think that it's one of those things that just kind of snowballed as a story? Right. I don't think it's as bad as people think because, you know, obviously some of the mistakes have, have been overblown, and, and, you know, the regular officials make mistakes too, which, which we've seen through the years. But, uh, you know, I think, and in talking with Mike Pereira, who's with us in Cincinnati, or in Atlanta for the Bengals-Falcons game, um, you know, who obviously knows uh, the rules as, as well as anybody and, and the mechanics. You know, his, his big thing, and he said this on the air, um, he doesn't think, you know, the, the calling of penalties will actually be the biggest thing, you know, that, that could lead to problems and issues. But, but the mechanics, the timings are so much different, or at least some of them are in the NFL from the college and high school game. And, and we saw that with, uh, you know, the Giants, for example, in their first preseason game in Jacksonville. Ryan Perilu, their quarterback, on, on the last play of the game, uh, threw a pass from across the line of scrimmage, and the, the penalty was flagged, and it should have been a 10-second runoff, and, and the game should have been over, and they gave the Giants one more play. If that happens in the regular season and the team scores, you know, that's a huge issue. So right. I'm not sure that it'll be, uh, you know, like I said, that the actual penalty calls and flags will be the, the biggest issue, but, uh, you know, perhaps errors in... in timing and mechanics that could come into play but you know we'll see hopefully these guys do a great job and it's not a story how far ahead does fox plan let you know where you're going to be do you know just up to this new orleans game or do you have a plan for a few weeks down the future as to where what games you're going to be broadcasting for many years we would only have the next three or four games in our schedule which which would be given to us but for the last couple of years uh, at the beginning of the season, they gave us the first seven or eight. So we actually have our first eight assignments, which could change. You know, they could change in October, depending on how uh, teams start the season. Uh, but right now we have the first eight, and I'll, I'll just give you the first four. I don't want to bore the listeners. But uh, Washington, New Orleans, as you know, this week, we, we'll be in Seattle for the Cowboys and Seahawks next week. And then we have two 49ers games on the road, 49ers at the Vikings and 49ers at the Jets. Awesome. Are there any stadiums that are better to broadcast 
than others or any that are worse than others? Just something kind of behind the scenes for the fans? Absolutely. To me, it's all about booth location. And uh, the old, uh, you know, a couple of stadiums that are no longer uh, used for NFL games, uh, to me, stand out as among the worst. Sun Devil Stadium in Arizona, the booth was so high, the players looked like ants. You really had a tough time seeing. Plus, the sun would come right in, into your face in the booth for the first half of games. You know, the booth was situated in, in a position uh, that, that did not lend itself to uh, uh, shade. So uh, that was one. I was happy when uh, the new stadium was built out in Glendale. I did one game at the Liberty Bowl. That was real high up as far as the booth. Uh, the year the Saints had to play four games in Baton Rouge, right. that was also a real high booth. So to me, you know, personally for the play-by-play announcer, it's all about booth location and uh, a number of the new stadiums uh, have booths that are that are pretty close to the field. Washington and, and Baltimore are the best, um, you know, as far as the vantage point for us. So always enjoy doing Redskins and Raven games. Uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina are pretty good. New Orleans, the New Meadowlands, uh, New England's real good. New England, I would put in the category with Washington and Baltimore, but we don't get there too often because Fox only has one or two uh, games a year at the AFC stadium. So. Uh, Sun Devil Stadium was the one that I was happy to see go. <laughs> the sportscasters are here finishing up with Kenny Albert, who you can follow on Twitter at Kenny Albert. He'll be broadcasting the New Orleans Saints and Washington Redskins opening game this Sunday on the Fox uh, Fox Network, Fox affiliate nearest you. Um, last thing, I- I've tried to tried to get some some gems out, but y- you know you know best, so. If I ask you a question and say, hey, our listeners are, would really love to know something behind the scenes about calling an NFL game that would really interest the NFL fan, what kind of nugget could you throw out for us? Well, wow, that's an interesting question, Steve. Um, I think in general, and I mentioned this before, I don't think the average viewer realizes how much work goes into it. Um, you know, we don't just show up on Sunday. Uh, like I said, it starts on Monday and I probably read hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of articles and clips from the various cities, and you know you watch all kinds of tape and DVD, and then we go in there on Friday and Saturday. So uh, I think the average fan would be surprised at the amount of hours uh, that goes into it. Now it's only a three-hour broadcast. You know, once the game gets underway, and uh, you probably only use only ten percent of the information that you have, which is another interesting nugget uh, because you have to be overprepared. But come Sunday, you want the game to dictate what you talk about. And, and what areas, you know, you go to as far as uh, discussion points. So that, that's probably the thing that would stand out if somebody followed me around for a week. <laughs> Kenny, uh, best of luck on the season this year. Are we going to be seeing you in any role in terms of baseball playoffs or anything like that this year, or are you just focusing on football now from here on? Probably not because Fox, as you know, only has the one LCS in the World Series, so they're pretty covered with uh, – Joe and Tim and Ken Rosenthal. Uh, back when Fox had some of the uh, division series, I worked some of those and did some sideline when, when they had two LCS. But uh, now with Fox only having the one LCS and, and one World Series, um, I stick to football that time of year and hopefully hockey. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Do you keep an eye on something like the baseball bid being up and like wondering you know, where the networks that you're affiliated with are going to fall out in those negotiations? Is that oh, absolutely, yeah. because that affects so many people's jobs that I work with. Um, you know, obviously, it affects you know, what games I call, but uh, all the guys behind the scenes, you know, this is their living, so that, that's huge in our business. All right, Kenny, thank you very much. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon.
Thanks, Steve. Anytime. Thank you. I want to thank Kenny Albert for being on the show today. And I want to wish all you football fans out there a great uh, kickoff weekend. Enjoy the games, you know. Uh, Don't forget you can email us, thesportscasters at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. And you can follow Football Nation at FBall Nation. Don't forget to check out Season 2, Episode 32 of the Sportscasters proper, featuring interviews with Chris Ballard, Tommy Thompson, and Adam Lazarus. You can find that at www.sports-casters.com on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Pretty football heavy over there, too, this week. Yep, and the last thing, last piece of business this week is just one last trip around Football Nation before we fill this last segment in with something different. We haven't decided yet, maybe some prediction type of a thing. Yeah, and I was going to say, when you mentioned the email, feel free to email us about anything. I mean, if there's yes. a story out there We'd that you like want to us to... We'd like to read emails. Yeah, if there's a story out there you want us to talk about... <laughs> doesn't have to be necessarily about something we've talked about. It could just be something you saw during the weekend that you want to get our take on. Just shoot us an email, and maybe that's how we'll fill that last segment with a few emails. Thesportscasters at gmail.com. But before we replace it, let's take one last trip around Football Nation. And my pick this week, I'm glad to see that this guy is still doing it. His name is Jeff Sperber, uh, Football Nation in-house expert. Uh, he's done a lot of them during the off season. He calls them his super charts and he has a super chart up for week one. And I think they're fantastic. They're purposely cheesy looking, uh, but they're chock full of this guy's takes on, uh, power rankings and stats and he makes predictions. And, but, uh, like I said, I love the look of them. It's intentionally cheesy. And if, any cool I'm sure he would examples or anything? What's uh, on there this sure, week? he's got the most points scored, 45 for the Patriots. Fewest points scored, 6 for the Bills, and there's no way that happens. I, I got faith in my Bills <laughs> doing better than that. It's got a, he's got the survivor pick of the week, the rookie of the week, top defender of the week, the stars, busts, sweet surprises, Monday morning headlines such as Bears need overtime to beat Colts. So it's just full of stuff. It's real colorful, and like I said, it's – it's, fun to read. It's fun looking, and it, like I said, it looks a little corny. Like he circles his picks for the week, like clearly, like sloppily. But it's it's a real cool. I I dig the style of it, uh, and I'm glad that it looks like he's going to do them for the rest of the season. All right, I have selected a really cool kind of, I guess you call it a photo essay, and it's by a reporter named David Holcomb who did something really cool and took a terrible towel around Europe. The article is called Terrible Towel, An Adventure Around Europe, and it has pictures with David holding a terrible towel up in front of some of the most famous spots in Europe, like Buckingham Palace and <laughs> nice. uh, London Bridge and uh, La Plaza de Sol and uh, La Plaza de Toros and um, in Berlin and Wembley Stadium and Olympic Stadium in Berlin and the beach and in front of a Little Mermaid statue and the Castle (laughs) of Santa Barbara, just all kinds of cool tourist attractions in Europe. And here's this guy holding a terrible towel up in front of it. 
and it's so Pittsburgh and so football yeah. and you know so what makes us love the game and it shows how much Americans love the game and I, I can't imagine being more excited than I am right now for everything just to get going. About wa- time. want to thank Carrie J. Byrne again for the opportunity for us to be doing this right now. Yeah, this is kind of our week week one. Like The rest of it feels yeah. like our preseason. And this it, yeah, is we had a long preseason. Finally, some real football to talk about. Thanks again to Kenny Albert, and uh, enjoy the games. We'll see you next week. We're going to California. Spend my days with a woman unkind. Smoke my stuff and drink 